0: Welcome to Launchpad, the unique radio show and podcast that celebrates new book releases and the authors that created them. Now, let's take off with your host, Grace Salmon.
1: This is Launchpad. Welcome to episode 26 of Launchpad. In today's episode, we are going to be dealing with damaged personal bonds, those who are seeking constant joy, those who are finding that there is just something missing in their life that they can't quite put their finger on. And we will be able to join these She Writes Press authors. Hopefully we'll be joined a little later by Carla Sequest. But we're going to talk about these memoirists who are all with she writes press and their amazing stories on their own personal life journey if you are watching with us live please feel free to make questions comments we'd love to hear from you as we go through today's episode and on behalf of mary helen sheriff the author marketing coach, we're so glad you joined us. So today we have Jennifer Kramer Miller, Melissa Giberson, Gib- Carla Sequest, and Sherry Sedoti They've all written memoirs, as I've already mentioned. And I hope that during today's episode, you'll not only find that your TBR list is growing at an astronomical rate, but you're going to find very personal stories with these wonderful memoirists. Let's start out with Jennifer Kramer Miller and her book title, which I absolutely loved, Incurable Optimist, Living with Illness and Chronic Hope. Melissa Guyberson with Late Bloomer, Finding My Authentic Self at Midlife. Carla Sequest, who I hope will join us, as I mentioned, the main event, Mother Daughter Turn Tragedy, into Peace, and Sherry Sidoti with her book and an intriguing title, A Smoke and a Song, a Memoir.
0: Welcome to each of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So wonderful to be here.
1: I'm always happy to host all authors, but She Writes Press is always a special one for me to welcome. Brooke Warner is such a supporter of authors, particularly women authors. So welcome to each of you on the She Writes press panel. We do have people who are watching us today. So good afternoon to Michelle and to Denise. I'm so glad that you're here. Please feel free to comment as I mentioned. Jennifer, let's start with you. Let's talk about your book, Incurable Optimist, Living with Illness and Chronic Hope.
2: Yes, I am so happy to be here. So great to see you, Grace. And Sherry and Melissa, I'm happy to be with you guys. This is going to be fun. So yes, my book, as you said, it's a memoir, Incurable Optimist, Living with Illness and Chronic Hope. And the story really starts when I was 22. And I was a college graduate. I had a business degree in hand, a psychology minor. And I was living with my best friend in a pretty apartment. And I got a PR position. I was just ready to launch, happy, healthy, normal. But then one day I just woke up and my eyes felt puffy and I just felt off. Um, So I went to a doctor, like you do, expecting one of the medical familiars, like flu or virus or strep throat. But instead I heard um, from the doctor that I had kidney damage and I needed to have a biopsy to determine the cause and extent of this damage. And um, that was scary. So I flew back to Minneapolis, got the biopsy and learned that I had an autoimmune kidney disease. And attached Mm -hmm. to that disease were two words, which were hard to wrap my brain around when I was 22. But those words were progressive and incurable. Mm -hmm. And I had kidney failure in six months. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty hard. I felt like I'd been ripped from kind of my rightful place in the world. But my plan was to get a kidney transplant, go back to Seattle and just pick up where I left off. I just had no idea what was ahead for me. So Now we're 30 plus years later and I've been on dialysis three times and I've had four kidney transplants, which yes, that is a lot. I mean, I always have to like leave a little pause right there so people can go, wow, that's a lot. But Mm -hmm. my life has just really been a very beautiful life because of so many people who have helped me along the way. So um, I've had so much family love and support from benevolent strangers and really seen so much about the power of people helping people. So, I think that my book really, I call it a family love story. And I really loved the Amazon reviewer that said it's a love story to life. But it's about managing uncertainty and holding on to hope and finding joy.
1: Fabulous. Um, And we will talk more and more about that because there are elements of your story, I think, in everybody else's story. Melissa Guyberson, let's talk about you being a late bloomer.
3: (laughs) So thank you, Grace. I'm so happy to be here. My book, Late Bloomer, Finding My Authentic Self at Midlife, um, talks about my discovery when I was 44 years old. That caught me a little bit by surprise because I was living in New Jersey. I had a husband of Almost 20 years, we had two kids, and we were just living the life we always imagined we'd be living. And suddenly, um, a woman walked into my life, and we became friends, and things progressed, but I never actually stopped to think about it. I was just so happy to have a woman friend again. Um, You know, women tend to bond, and I had had a friend a long time ago, and I had missed that friendship. And things were kind of going along. And I was kind of living in two worlds without giving it a whole lot of thought until one day I was at the gym and I saw a woman. And the woman was um, putting lotion on. She wasn't dressed, her back was to me. I never saw her face. And I just found myself just paralyzed by the sight. And I was just standing there looking at her and um, I snapped out of it and I go, my God, am I gay? And it was the first time I actually asked myself that question. And so from there, my book goes into the cascade of events, um, trying to figure out the answer to this question. And what does that mean? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for my kids? And I was fiercely trying to protect my kids because I had worked so hard to create this life for them. And as the book goes on, I do discover my real truth and then I fight to make sure that I live a life that was true to me and authentic because I wanted to model that for my children.
0: Mm.
3: And um, so I infuse a lot of hope that things would turn out well for all of us.
1: An excellent summary. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, if Carla Sequist was with us, she would be telling us about her book, The Main Event, Mother and Daughter, Turning Tragedy into Peace. Sounds like Melissa wanted to make sure that her family reached that place as well. Uh, Carla is also a playwright, and uh, she talks about the damaged primal bond between mother and daughter. So I hope that you will check out her book as well. Let's move now to Sherry Sidoti and A Smoke and a Song, a Memoir.
0: Thank you so much. So great to be here. Nice to see everybody. Um, So A Smoke and a Song, it's actually interesting that you just said that about Carla's book because I think there's a a thread or a theme that's very similar in my book, not so much only about mother-daughter, but about the Mm -hmm. grandmother-mother-daughter-sister thread and intergenerational healing and intergenerational inheritance and kind of what we do with it. So my story is one of my stumbling, really, through womanhood, through spiritual awakening, through self-actualizing, through various healing journeys that I have, a longer healing journey that I've been on, but through various opportunities, I would say, various experiences that led me to um, be a seeker and eventually become a yogi and teach yoga and share that in a mother. And it's really about contending with my own inner um, feelings of loneliness and belonging, um, finding, trying to find a way to uh, that my inner landscape illuminated the life that I was living and noticing where that fell short. And then being on a, a real kind of fierce quest to get there, to feel like, um, you know, as part of the healing, which happens in my experience bit by bit, it hasn't really happened as one full sweep or one mm. big life experience that has given me the blessing of the aha and big, a big teaching. For me, it's been kind of a slow rubbing of the coal into the diamond. And, um, and so I go through, the, my story begins, um, I'm 50 years old. It's in the height of the pandemic. I have a lot of personal shifts and changes that are happening, big time of transformation for all of us, but also in my personal life. And at that time, my mother is diagnosed with terminal cancer. And um, that's how the book begins, and or actually we're waiting for her, her diagnosis at the beginning of the book. And then it goes into my story through kind of the three realms of womanhood, I would say like maidenhood, motherhood and then leaning into cronehood although it's not named at that, as that um and it's really about my own source of seeking freedom not so much from what i've heard through the spiritual texts and the people in my family that you know freedom comes from letting go but more from really digging in and digging mm-hmm. into my life digging into my body understanding who i am and that being the source of freedom for me
1: I just love each of your descriptions. My TBR list is growing, although I actually have read Melissa's book. So uh, the other two are on my list now. So thank you. Um, I want to talk about this idea of digging deep. It sounds like that's particularly important for Sherry and Melissa. Jennifer, what about yourself? Because you had four kidney transplants. I mean- yes.
2: Yeah. I, I love the the some of the concepts that we all kind of share. And digging deep definitely is something that to figure out your life and how you're going to manage it. I mean, for me, there was a moment where I realized I wasn't going to get rid of this illness. It was going to hover over me forever. So I felt like I was inspired by a Joseph Campbell quote, like we must be willing to let go of the life we've planned and accept the life that waits for us. And I just realized, I mean, how am I going to do that? Like that is what I have to do is somehow let go of this idea that I was going to live in Seattle with all of my friends and, you know, meet this rom-com worthy soulmate. And I wanted pretty babies to pump out on like holiday cards. And I just had this idea of what my life was going to be. And it did not involve kidney failure and it did not Mm. involve what ended up being four kidney transplants. So I really had to dig in and figure out how am I going to make this life meaningful? And how am I going to make it a good one?
3: Mm.
1: There's so much level- so many levels here of uh, living our authentic life, you know whether it's you know Melissa in your book, you talk about you know meaning to walk away from that authenticity at one point you know is this really what's going on, and the way you embrace it in order to be authentic for you and um your partner and for your children, I thought was very important how hard was that
3: <laughs> uh, it, it it was um it was so challenging and there's so many layers in, to it. And and I love how, you know, Sherry, you talked about digging in and, you know, getting to the nut of it and that it's layer by layer. And sometimes we don't realize how deep we have to go mm-hmm. uh, when we're sitting on the surface and we don't know what is keeping us, um, you know, what's pulling us in and what's keeping us from g- going down deeper or whether we know we have to. And um, so it was very, very challenging. And and as I kept digging as, you know, digging to find out about myself and my sexuality, digging to understand how I got to be where I was and who I thought I was, and then having to unravel all of that. Maybe I'm not who I thought I was, or maybe we change as we go. Maybe we Mm -hmm. just understand more about ourselves. And that's the digging in part. Um, and then my, you know, as the cascade of events, you know, turned out, you know, needing to f- protect my children and understanding w- what it was that was frightening me so mm. and um, digging deep into my own childhood and recognizing why I was fighting so hard for the childhood that I wanted to give to them was I was also trying to make sure they didn't have a childhood that was as wounding as mine was. Um, my parents had divorced, and it was very traumatizing. But when you find something out about yourself that makes being married to a man um, a little bit um, unsustainable, uh, you know, everybody's world gets turned upside down a bit. And in the beginning, you know, we worked through it together. And then as life happens, things things change. and you know we, we fight for what's important at the same time that we um, just keep trying to survive. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, 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 we forge forward. We, don't, we can't stop and we can't dwell, and we just have to keep moving forward until we get to the other side.
1: I think that's a story of inspiration from all three of your books. Um, I, I think we want to talk now a little bit about relationships. Melissa, you've talked about, you know, the relationship with your parents, with your kids, with your former husband. Um, Sherry, I'd like to go to you in terms of how did the writing of this impact your relationships? And then over to Jennifer for the same question because Jennifer was talking about how she thought she was just going to live this picture-perfect life. So Sherry, first you. Relationships and how yeah. they impact this.
0: It's a, it's a beautiful question because one of the greatest teachings I got from one of my teachers when I was you know I was deep in the, my, my spiritual practice and I had asked him you know how do we know when our spiritual practice is evolving? Mm-hmm. How do we know if we're growing spiritually? And he simply said, take a look at your relationships. And that to me was incredibly impactful and has carved a path for me forward. And through this process of writing, writing my memoir, um, it's very complex and complicated. Our relationships really illuminate everything. <laughs> all the things we've worked on and all the ways we've grown and all the ways that we haven't and the things that we still have to work on. So, as far as writing a memoir and how I, you know, approaching our relationships in the actual act of writing and publishing a book, um, I would say that I didn't think about it as much when I was writing it, except for I was feeling into my body and feeling into my relationships and knowing that I come from a place of deep love with all of the complex relationships that I participate in. And I won't say that I have, but I participate in them. They're complex because of me as well. And so I tried to do my very best to illuminate that from my feeling on the inside, the best that I could. Um, but it's challenging. You know, I had to use some internal, ethical, spiritual barometers of what to put in the story, what not to. Um, the most important thing that I would say is that. The way the relationships continue beyond the book is what's most important to me now. So interestingly enough, you know, you write your story and you you put these relationships or aspects of them, not the entire relationship, but parts of them, on the page for others to read. And then the book goes off into the world and becomes its own thing. But the relationships that I have with the people in my story continue. And those have grown enormously. I mean, our layers of conversation, the depth of um, still working with some of the stuff that remains there, also working with some new stuff that came up from writing what I did write. Um, There have been multiple, and I would say, incredibly healing and useful conversations that have taken place within my relationships, particularly since the book has been published.
2: Fabulous. Jennifer? Mm Jennifer? Oh, my gosh, so much. So um, yeah, I have, like I said, kind of it's a family love story. And we all have, you know, some mother daughter issues in our books. But in terms of relationships, um, I have to start with my mother, because she gave me her kidney um, Mm. for my third kidney transplant. And I can't, I tried to explain it in the book, how powerful and meaningful Mm. that is. But it's, it's really a remarkable thing when someone who has done so much for you wants to do even more. And I just, I, I think I wrote in the book, she, you know, she's not a very large woman and she was in her hospital bed after the donation. And she just looked like a giant of grace and goodness to me. So there is um, so much love in my book for how grateful I am for people who have done so much for me. And I, One of my big lessons, I think, you know, when you're just pondering your survival, things really get boiled down to the essence when you're just trying to figure out, I want to stay in this world. And like one thing I, I say in the book is that, you know, we always ask, is the glass half empty or half full? And I decided that's the wrong question. I think we should really appreciate that we have a glass because the glass is life. That's our container. And with that container, close relationships make Make everything worthwhile for me. So, in this sort of analysis of how I'm going to lead a meaningful life, there's a, a Harvard study of adult development, which is this long-standing study that followed people for 75 years, you know, many people. And they really found that the essence of having happiness in a life is close relationships. And I think I have discovered that in my life story is that when I have to figure out what I'm lucky for and what goes on my lucky list, my family and my friends and the people that I love and cherish really make everything
1: worthwhile. Absolutely. And we have comments that are saying that they can resonate with each of these stories. There are wonderful lessons in each and every one, especially one about wanting to raise your kids better than your own uh, Mm -hmm. growing up time. Mm -hmm. So uh, wonderful lessons and comments there as well. I'm curious about memoir. I never used to read memoir. And uh, ever since I started uh, doing my other radio show, The Storytellers, I've been fascinated by memoir and the increase in women, particularly writing memoir, because it's not an easy thing to do. It is. Mm. um, I talk about all your, all my writing is the most naked I do to put myself out there and I think each of your particular memoirs put yourselves out there in very very bold ways Mm -hmm. so I have the same question for each Mm -hmm. of you why memoir why be so bold and the third part is what do you want to accomplish with having done this because it's not about ego Uh,
3: Melissa
1: let's start with you
3: Uh, It's a it's a fabulous question. And when I was first starting out when I realized something's going on here and I need help, and I reached out, and I reached anywhere, um, sending emails and just, you know, looking for anybody or anything that would help me. And ultimately, um, strangers started responding. You know, it, it only really takes one. And one woman responded to me and it became a chain. You know, she put me in touch with somebody else with a similar story and then somebody else after that. And little by little, they, you know, they they carried me through the darkest time of this journey. And I got to a point where I could stand on my own. And I realized then, I need to pay this forward because it was a gift that these people showed up for me. They didn't have to, they had lives of their own. They had their own stories. They had children, they had careers, they had partners, they had sick parents, you know, they had a whole world and they stopped to help me Mm -hmm. as my world felt like it was crumbling around me. And I always had it in my mind. I wanted to pay it forward because this journey was not meant to be walked alone, you, you really need people because you think you're going crazy. And you know, you need somebody to validate and say, you're okay, you'll be okay. One day at a time, breathe, whatever the whatever the message is. And I hope that by putting my story out there, that it helps somebody else on either side of, of the line. So I've heard from people that are on that journey now. And they've reached out to share their story with me. And I've heard from people on the other side saying, you know, wow, you know, thank you for reminding me what I've been through. You know, sometimes you forget, you know, what it was like, and it's good to remember the courage. And I love when people reach out to me because it reminds me also why I did this. And, and I've gotten an amazing response. And I just love that people again, stop, what they're doing to reach out to tell me um, their own story or how my story impacted them and what they're doing going forward. Uh, I'm just filled with gratitude uh,
0: for it.
1: And that goes to Jennifer's point too about how you know, we need these friends, whether they're our real friends, our real family, or our designated ones, or the family that we come to embrace and embraces us. Sherry, why memoir? Why so bold and what do you hope to accomplish?
0: Yeah, thank you. It's such a great question. And I would say my answer is very similar to Melissa's in terms of you know memoir really becomes mirror, mm-hmm. I believe. And in sharing our stories or when somebody else reads along my story, my hope is that it is having them illuminate or reflect or consider their own story alongside by me as they read my story. So that mine is really my, my, my story and the things that, have, that I'm sharing in the memoir are really just a path for someone to connect to their own life Mm -hmm. their own decisions, their own growth, and have that mirror there. Um, I didn't set out personally, I didn't set out to write a memoir. I didn't sit down and go, I'm going to write my, you know, parts of my story. Um, When I sat down to write, I really was giving myself permission to make art. I had been on a path of service Mm -hmm. with everything I've ever done career wise. And then even in my friendships and the way that I, uh, you know, the role that I played in my family of origin, I felt that my purpose was to be on a path of service, which clearly it still is. Mm-hmm. But when I first sat down to write, I really was gifting myself back some of the, the creativity and the spaciousness to just make art. Um, I didn't know that that would turn into a book or that would it would turn into a memoir. Um, and the I think that lended itself a bit or it lent itself a bit to Um, being a little bold or just raw and vulnerable in terms of what I wrote, I didn't really ever think about how it would be read. Mm -hmm. And so there's a nakedness to the stories that I tell that now that it's out in the world and I'm having these conversations, there is a little bit of the vulnerability, hangover feeling like, oh no, did I (laughs) I reveal too much? But Mm -hmm. more importantly is that by going into some of these... uh, you know, some of these memories that I think of being a woman, living in a woman's body and choosing to stay there throughout the course of life. um, We hold a lot of stories in our body, just particularly stories that aren't always talked about or told. Mm -hmm. So I also think in my midlife now and being in this crossroads in life, I'm finding it incredibly important to share the story of womanhood and the experiences that we have that get kind of lodged inside us that we don't really share enough, not only for the future generations, you know, for my children and their children and grandchildren, but I do believe on a spiritual level that we're also healing the past generations as well. So the stories that I'm writing, I'm hoping somehow are also healing that intergenerational trauma that my mother experienced and my grandmother and my great-grandmother.
1: And, and what a great thing to pick up on what Melissa was saying about a gift paying it forward, but also the gift that you gave yourself a gift in this process. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, um, same question, but I also want to um, have you touch on the, your interest in patient advocacy, which is a real avocation of mine.
2: Yes, of course. Well, I agree so much with what Melissa and Sherry have just said. I love memoir a lot because I find that the most idiosyncratic of stories are the most universal. So I'm usually the only person in the room that's had four kidney transplants, but I'm never the only person in the room who has faced a lot of challenges and has to figure Mm -hmm. out how to manage life and and you know, find hope and find joy. So I relate so much to Sherry and Melissa's book. And I think we all have kind of the same mission in our memoir. And just like Melissa, and to your point about patient advocacy, I feel so privileged of how people have reached out to me and shared Mm -hmm. their most, like, I feel like people are pulling back the curtain, you know, like they're a lawyer or a professional person. And I was in custom home building for many years. I didn't tell all my clients about my situation now people that I know are just pulling back the curtain and saying I have this too I understand Mm -hmm. this too I all these themes of loneliness and belonging and love and trying to make a meaningful life are really like charging up and I just I, Mm -hmm. I I get chills when I hear from people of what they've taken away from from the book and So that's been amazing. So I do do some advocacy work for um, kidney patients one-on-one, and I love it, and I feel like I can be so helpful, but I I needed a broader vehicle to talk to more people at once. And writing this memoir has been really a wonderful way to reach out broadly to people who are trying to muddle through life and they are Mm -hmm. facing hard challenges and trying to get some uh, hope and optimism as they go through
1: Well, I enjoyed having each of the She Writes Press authors here today on Launchpad. I'm sorry that Carla Sequest um, and her book, The Main Event, Mother-Daughter, Turning Tragedy into Peace, could not join us. But I do hope that you will check out Jennifer Kramer Miller, Incurable Optimist, Living with Illness and Chronic Hope, Melissa Guyberson, Late Bloomer, Finding My Authentic Self, at Midlife, and Mm -hmm. Sherry Sidoti, A Smoke and a Song, a Memoir. I hope that you find each of these authors and their books as inspiring as I do. Launchpad itself has inspired three different books. The one that has come out most recently is Mm -hmm. Launchpad, The Countdown to Marketing Your Book. Prior to that was The Launchpad to Publishing Your Book. And the first one is Launchpad, The Countdown to Writing Your Book. Thank you for being with us Mm -hmm. here. On the Launchpad. Thanks, everybody. Thank
3: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. (laughs) This episode is copyrighted by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for visiting with us on Launchpad.